Welcome back, all you Bills, Phils, Nannies, and Does out there to the Mount Goatmore Cliff Dive Podcast. We're week in and week out. We get together and we talk about greatness. We discuss what it means to be the greatest of all time. And we sit down and we choose our four faces that we want put on our goat moors for every single topic the internet has to throw our way this week. Missing one of my best friends, but my other best friend, Cam, with me today. How are you doing today, bro? Doing good, man. I'm doing cool. Cool, cool, cool. You know, I'm feeling uh, it's just we, we're enjoying a drink together and friendship. Uh, doing a little cheers for Laron. Cheers. My drink is a brown ale. Cody's drink is water, the greatest drink of them all. And cheers to friendship, as always. There, there wouldn't be the show without friendship. So, very true. And if you enjoy it, you enjoy it because friendships can last over a decade. Very true. Yeah, this is a great podcast because I get to join my friends and family every week to talk about cool stuff. This week, just like every other week, we're getting together and we're talking about cool stuff. And as Cam has alluded to, our topic for today is the greatest fictional friendships of all time. So think TV shows, movies, literature, whatever you want to come up with, the greatest friendships that are not real life people. Maybe the actors are friends in real life, but their characters are not real life people, but their friendships are as real as it gets. We're going to talk about the greatest friendships in fiction of all time. Cam, did you come up with any uh, internet list for this one? I did, and I'm just going to say right now I have 12 honorable mentions. This one was difficult. There was a lot, and the thing was, every single time I started digging, another one popped up in my head that I was like, oh, man. Right. I ended up doing, well, we'll get to the internet list, but I ended up just going with doing the category thing, trying to have, like, this is the best of this. This is the best friendship of this, this, and this. That's how I ended up. People will still disagree with what I chose in all of those, but I am satisfied for now. Internet list, yes. The one I found is from scoopwoop.com called The Ten Fictional Friendships That Redefine the Meaning of Dosti, which uh, I think yeah. is a an Indian reference. I looked up Dosti, and that's what I gathered. I could be wrong. Because I'm interested in friendships and not necessarily what Dosti means. <laughs> <laughs> but number 10 on that list is Scooby and Shaggy. Number nine is R2D2 and C3PO. Oh, and, that's a good one. <laughs> and number eight, you're still finding them. Number eight is Sherlock Holmes and John Watson. My number one, I'll tell you, is Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. No, just kidding. That That's a good one. Even though CP... The C-3PO is not very nice to R2-D2. He's a bit of a mean friend. Calls him like a trash can and stuff. That's mean. He's a much nicer friend than Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great threesome to kick it off with. Um, it's Shaggy and Scooby, they are, uh, to me, that's a little low. That them. feels low. Also... Sherlock Holmes and John Watson was another one of like the first ones that I thought of Holmes and Watson. I th I thought of almost immediately. They ended up not making my list, but like they were one of the first ones that came to my mind. Moving on at seven, we have Captain Kirk and Spock. Six, we have Veronica Lodge and Betty Cooper from Archie. And five, we have Chandler Bing and Joey Tribbiani from Friends. This brings up one point that I was thinking about because as we very much know, friendships can be more than just two people. And so I, I did think about the entire friends group um, as a friend group. They did not make my list, but talk. it's hard for when I, when I was trying to pick out twos, 
it's hard for me to look at that friends group and say that there's two closer than anybody else. I will say Chandler and Joey were up there a bit. I think that they were roommates for a little while and stuff. So, but I kind of walked away from even thinking about doing a sitcom one, unless it was two friends that were together really close because there's just so many of them. Maybe yeah. friend, like does friends make it because they're named friends. Are they actually more friends than the friends on other sitcoms or did they just happen to pick the right name for us to think that? Well, I think that it was the name that sparked it in my head because definitely of late you see a lot more videos that'll go looking at the friends group of friends about how they're not very good to each other. (laughs) They're all pretty mean and nasty to each other. And that's how sitcoms work. It's not like a weird thing, but I just don't think like (laughs) ironically, like friendship isn't what defined that as like a media giant instead of was, Attractive people, easy jokes that were often pretty funny, and uh, fake hard nipples. Yeah. Moving on, <laughs> moving on at number four, Frodo Baggins and Samwise Gamgee. Number three, Harry Potter and Ronald Weasley. Number two, number two is one I don't agree with at all. I wonder how you'll feel. Bruce Wayne and Alfred. No. He's a servant. He's not his friend. Yeah, no. I mean, if you even want to, like, get away from the servant-worker relationship, it would be much more like a grandfather and a grandson. Like, there's more paternal than friendship. I Yeah, that's a... To me, that's a terrible one. I mean, do you think Bruce Wayne knows alfred's favorite show <laughs> or do you think do you think alfred would go through all that trouble if he wasn't making millions of dollars being a butler not a chance not a chance that that's uh that's the worst pick on this list for me number one all the way at number two that's yes why <laughs> scoop whoop is tripping yeah number one is to me a good choice calvin and Hobbes. yeah Oh, that's a really good one. Imaginary friends. Dude, I, man, this is a tough list. That just opened a whole door. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh and Christopher Robin. Oh, my God. I. That just opened a whole nother jo- door. Imaginary friends. So I did pick Calvin and Hobbes on my list. And it was between Calvin and Hobbes and one that wasn't quite imaginary that made my, uh, that made my honorable mention. I pick it was Calvin and Hobbes or Clifford and Mary Elizabeth. And I thought, God, that must be a great friendship because it was her love that made him grow. But like watching the Clifford show and reading the little Clifford books, it's not always defined by his friendship with her. He has friendships with the other dogs and stuff too. But Calvin and Hobbes is all about learning about friendship and these life lessons as this boy has his imaginary friend and like the idea of an imaginary friend is, I I don't think I ever had one, but it's such a powerful motif about the power of imagination. And to some extent, the, the just loneliness, but also the, the innocence of a child and how that can manifest in ways that are kind of magnificent and Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson was basically a perfect comic strip for the uh what was it 10 years that it ran like the comic it was the comic book at that time and he ended it he he did like the who who would who else did that ended it when it was time and didn't just keep running forever it only ran 10 years and he was like i don't think there needs to be more calvin and hobbs and so it remains as this perfect story of a boy and his stuffed tiger and the adventures they go they go in. And to me, what that reminded me of, and I'm going to bring it up, especially since you didn't pick it, is, you know, I don't think that you think Baby Rhino's alive anymore, but I'm sure you went on plenty of adventures with him back totally. in the day. 
And I didn't have an imaginary friend in that way, but I definitely played with toys. And when I played with them, it was like, you know, they were living beings to me. So the power of Calvin and Hobbes uh, and what it means for friendship in general in our Western culture, I think is why it made my list. I'm not going to retrofit my list. It's uh, we're we're too close to it and it was too hard of a list already. So if I would have done more proper research and not forgotten about imaginary friends, um, Winnie the Pooh and Christopher Robin might be on my list. Um, I do have thinking about it a little difficulty because again, you, like you said, it's not like their friendship defines the whole series. You've got Piglet's friendship with Winnie the Pooh and Tiggers and, um, so, but I, I don't have any imaginary friend and I, and I'm disappointed that I don't, but yeah, this is, this is a great one. And it's a great, um, just like you said, every kid had some sort of thing like this. I definitely never had an imaginary friend, like in the traditional sense of an invisible being that I made in my my imagination and I drew out and it walked and talked with me. I don't have any memory as a kid thinking that, but definitely baby Rhino was there with me thick and thin and he's still here with me, you know? And so it's, it's that sort of thing. I've, I've always had that sort of attachment to that little character. So I, I love this pick. I love this idea. I'm bummed that, I didn't think of this before the podcast because I wish I would have dove into it a little bit more, but um, yeah, great pick. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I read probably 20 lists getting ready for this and it was on 15 of them. So it was just. I didn't see a list with it on it. So, I mean, I must've read the five that yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't on it. Cause I, it, that was a surprising one. So what's your um, first one? So my first one, when you said, um, Kurt, the big, uh, what's his name? Clifford, the big red dog. Mm-hmm. Pets were a little bit, I didn't know what to do with pets because certainly they're man's best friend and stuff, but also, there's a sort of child raising dynamic to raising a puppy and stuff. All that thought being said, there's no two duos that's tighter than Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, period. Like, if you want to go down the the realm of pets being best friends, Scoob is not shaggy's dog scoob is shaggy's bro like those two are bros they bro out they do their own adventures they they are inseparable you don't see the two without each other um everything gets split up and and goes in different directions in the scooby-doo series and it is the whole mystery team but everybody knows scooby and shaggy are going to get into their own hijinks um that is like the classic greatest depiction to me of like man's best friend. Scooby is down with Shaggy. They're both scared at the same time. They're both brave at the same time. They do everything. And the only thing that ever makes Scooby be brave is when Shaggy's in trouble. And if that's not like the epitome of what everybody wants their dog to be like, I don't know what is. Yeah. I love my mojo. It's like, I hate that he's barking and, you know, he'll be barking when Megan's working from home. But I'm also like, this dude's trying to protect us. Yeah. A guy. Yeah. Mojo's not a big dog, too. He will throw himself at a bear for you. You mm-hmm. know, that that's the Indy that's threw like, himself at a moose for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a and it's just there's also the the such the human dynamic to Scooby that it crosses the boundary of like owner pet into again, I 
you, nobody looks at Scooby and Shaggy as like Shaggy's Scooby's owner. Scooby's like a part of the team. They even have to have a catchphrase at the end of every show to remind you that Scoob's a dog and not a person. Like these meddling kids and their dog too. Like why you have to remind us he's a dog? Because he's so human that you often forget in the episode he's talking, he's doing human stuff. And so to me, it's like Shaggy is way past dog owner. And he is just straight broing it out with his best friend, Scooby. Um, They talk about almost every episode. They talk about each other as their best friend. So I went the route with pets. But to me, that's the absolute epitome of pet owner being best friend with Shaggy and Scooby. Didn't make my list easy honorable mention, but there were a lot of easy honorable mentions. I think you're right that this is maybe like the definitive pet owner relationship, but also maybe not because it's so different. I think like when I think about friendship and this friendship in particular, I'm brought to like C.S. Lewis's definition of friendship where it arises out of mere companionship when two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some insight or interest or even taste which the others do not share and which to that moment each believe to be his own unique treasure or burden. And you already mentioned it, but for Scooby and Shaggy, what they share is fear and a love for Scooby snacks. Mm -hmm. And those two things just bind them together in this eternal, generationally poignant and uh, just perfect friendship. Maybe they're smoking weed too, who knows? But uh, yeah, Scooby and Shaggy is an extremely valid choice. I don't have like a top honorable mention because again, I have 12 of them, but it's it could have been on my list easily. So what I did choose for my next one, and again, I did this kind of as as easily as I could, And so that first one was children's books, because I think children's books are really important. And cartoons, too. Cartoons would have been another way to to look at that. But the adolescent view of friendship is different from, like, the adult view to some extent. Maybe it shouldn't be, and maybe that's the problem. I don't know. I think things do get more complicated for a reason. But, like, moving on, and I'm moving to literature here, but... I'm kind of growing up as well from six-year-old Calvin to 11 to 17-year-old Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, and Hermione Granger. And the friendship that develops with them between the seven books of the Harry Potter series, a friendship that is defined by so many things, from listening to each other's issues to being the person to cry on their shoulder, to providing emotional support to falling out with, but being there when it's most necessary. All three of them got into fights at one point, but they were always there when it was most important, especially as young people. It's just how things happen. And maybe most importantly and most definitive uh, is that they fought for each other. They put their lives on the line for each other over and over again for seven years and probably beyond considering that uh, I think at least Harry and Ron and maybe Hermione too became ours, ours, so, and fought dark wizards. Uh, But it's just an an incredible friendship. It's the definitive millennial friendship, maybe at least between like a group of three. And it was one of the first ones I put on this list. That's a great pick, Cam. Um, I had wanted to put them on my list. Let me throw a wrench at you. At what point does it become romantic and it messes up the platonic friendships that we're we're talking about here? Because Ron and Hermione, they get it on. Book seven. I mean, there's a little bit of, I'd say by book four, there's a little bit of jealousy there. But at the least, like, they both are perfect friends or great friends to Harry. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say book four is where you start getting hints of their romance, but it doesn't truly become a romance until book seven. I think it's book six where Ron is with 
what is her name? Uh, Lavender Brown. And so it, it is a Lavender part of Brown. Like, yeah, <laughs> with Lavender Brown. And so it's sort of a part of it there. They both are a little jealous of each other. But yeah, I mean, I see it. Theme. I see that critique for sure. Yeah, because they be they become romantic. But you know, I definitely thought of this this trio. It's why I'd mentioned earlier um the group friendships versus the duo friendships. I'll say that my list I ended up trying to I ended up trying to keep it at duos. So the these three missed my list because I don't actually think Ron is a better friend to Harry than Hermione is. Um, and so picking two out of the three didn't feel right. So they didn't didn't make my list. I, I think that's fair. I do think that, you know, Hermione is, she could be the main character in a lot of ways, but Ron is always there for Harry. Like, yeah. even when he's not, his he, Harry is an extension of his family. Hey, Ron is the one that introduces him to the world of magic. Ron is the one who welcomes him on the train. Ron is even like they they're peers. I do think the trio is important though. Like I I get what you're saying, but I do sort of think the trio of them is is more important than any duo put together. No, right? I agree. I'm trying to say like I get your point about like saying Hermione's maybe a better friend to Harry, but like Ron is such an important friend to Harry because Ron is the one who really shows Harry the world of magic, takes him yeah. from, you know, the, the cupboard that he has to stay in at the uh, Dursley's home and introduces him to magical chocolate frogs and Hogsmeade and all of that. They they were going to make my list, but again, I tried to keep it into friendship duos only because, again, and maybe friends the tv show is isn't the best example but i couldn't do the math with the friends tv show and so friend groups felt a little bit different to me so they almost lose by techni technicality but yeah they were on my list um and then i took them off to try to make it easier to pick duos so i'll go with my literature duo since that's sort of your literature trio, my literature duo, a friendship that saved the entire world, Sam and Frodo. Sam is the best friend that any any fictional character has ever had, never leaving Frodo's side through all of his trials and tribulations, carrying his weight, helping him bear this enormous enormous weight and protecting him all the way through uh, Sam's friendship with Frodo is ultimately what saves Middle Earth entirely. There's no way Frodo makes that journey without Sam. You know, maybe you can say there's no way that he makes that journey with a bunch of other things happening, but Sam is there by his side. And I do think Tolkien meant something to take away from this friendship through adversity and stuff and show the greatness of Sam. So that was, you know, I also thought, again, one of my f first thoughts was literally Sherlock Holmes and John Watson. But I think that this one is so much more powerful, so much more uh, put through the ringer and, Sam carries Frodo till the end, and that is that's the strength of their friendship. I thought about this one. It's on my honorable mention. There's a definite reason why I didn't make it, and it's because their relationship is very complex. And I don't mean that in like a romantic way. I guess it's not complex. The more I research this in particular, the more the question of like, are they actually friends comes up? And I don't think the answer is definitive as much as like our current day lens wants it to be. To the very end of the novel, 
to the very end of the return of the king sam calls frodo master and in the beginning their relationship is defined as a master and servant one in the first book when he has a party with all his best friends sam is on the outside frodo was having the party with mary pippin and fatty bulger and i think some other guy but sam is notably absent so like of course they get so much closer as the trip goes on but i think like the way that I interpret the story is that Frodo comes to see Sam as a friend, as an equal, and Sam still sees Frodo as his master to the end, which I think is fascinating. And if you know about not just the lore of Lord of the Rings, but the where he's writing from, the experiences that Tolkien had, you know that the relationship that informed how he wrote Sam and Frodo was that of a soldier and a Batman in World War One, And, you know, the Batman was the, like the runner, the kid that worked under him. So like a squire, which you would think is one that can morph into friendship. But I, I think it's an interesting story he's telling, going even further back to pre-medieval times and imagining what that might look like in a culture that hasn't experienced war in centuries. And so this a gardener and his, I guess, landlord. Uh, fascinating. I think it's valid, Sam and Frodo, but that was why, like, it was better for me to figure out reasons to keep a friendship off of it, or it was easier for me to do that than it was, like, why it should be on there. And that's the reason I didn't pick this one. No, it's a good It's a good point. It's, it's a good point that I overlooked. Um, and... You know, if we're going to hate on the Batman Alfred uh, take, if this is any type of similar, um, it is something to to be mentioned. So it is. Well, that's a... why the Batman Alfred one is so bad because that one never comes. It never looks like a friendship. It doesn't even yeah. appear like it. This one does, and so like I think a reading where you think their friendship is perfectly valid. I think it's probably valid if you're watching a movie to even see like a romantic aspect to it. Not so much in the books, maybe, maybe in the books too, but like a friendship, that's a valid reading, but I, it's not the interpretation that I get personally. Right. No, that's a great point. So for my next one, I moved, I, I didn't move on to like a different age group, but I did uh, move to video games and video games is an interesting one i thought there would be more that were on this level for me i thought about sonic and tails and maybe you can make an argument for that from the cartoons but in the video games they're just fighting robotnik i thought about nathan drake and sully didn't quite make the cut because i chose one from a worse written story but i think one that did a very video game thing about friendship that ended up being a bit touching and it's kingdom hearts uh 358 and a half days kingdom hearts 2 kingdom hearts a little bit of i don't think dream uh not dream drop distance but birth by sleep a little bit of kingdom it's like a kind of wide-ranging story on friendship kingdom hearts chain of memories and it's roxas and axel and <laughs> did you pick that one no. Okay, yeah. So Roxas and Axel was <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is the stupidest story ever made. I know. It was it, I I was laughing because of how convoluted you sounded trying to explain where in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. So are. I mean the the friendship we hear about it first in Chain of Memories and it continued we hear the telling of it like the backstory of it in 358 and a half days. But the big point of it is this group, this organization are the nobodies and nobodies are the husks of people that have lost their hearts. And so they're supposed to be emotionless. They're supposed to be devoid of feelings and care for each other. But Roxas, they don't know who is the nobody of Sora still has feelings and heart. And through that, he and, and it's even a little more complex than that. With Axel, Axel, who used to be called Leia, or his original form is Leia. But through that with Axel, he um, 
brings that friendship out of Axel. And the story of 258 and a half days is based is basically of these nobodies who aren't supposed to have hearts kind of having a heart and developing one for each other, developing like these platonic friendships among each other and how that coalesces and manifests later on in like Kingdom Hearts 2, where he's trying to defeat Sora and knowing that uh, he's he's coming for Sora and knows that Roxas is within him. And this friendship that isn't supposed to exist because he's not supposed to have feelings that he will do everything to fight for. And finally, in Kingdom Hearts 3, he's back to his complete self. Axel, or Leia now, and Roxas fighting together. I think it's pretty poignant. And it's he's it's the point of his character. There are other friendships in the series, but this is the difficult one. This is the one that had to last between various bodies. Like, they're literally, di- he he's in different people, Roxas, shouldn't exist anymore but when he's capable of it like it's like this star-crossed friendship that is allowed to finally coalesce uh it's i don't to me kingdom hearts is a convoluted it's just stupid it's like they didn't want to tell a good story they just wanted to tell every they they're like oh a new game mechanic let's make story based on this game mechanic that doesn't actually make sense what people will cry for because they're dumb but I think this this kind of of all the things in Kingdom Hearts, at least the relationship, the relationships in the game are often really, really dumb and kitty. And this is a little dumb, but it's dumb in a way that I think can help us when you have a really good friend and you're, you they feel like they're a different person or they feel like they've changed. Think what would Axel do? That's what I always think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have much to add, b- only for the fact that Kingdom Hearts gets very confusing very quick. But I do think, to sum it up, the idea that this emotionless, heartless creature finds emotion and then thus finds a heart through a platonic friendship that they cultivated is an interesting concept. And in in this world of Kingdom Hearts, extremely magical, almost like a miracle. And so I do like that idea, but yeah, you can't talk very, very long about Kingdom Hearts backstory without it getting extremely confusing. So and I'm sure I got something that. wrong there. Sea salt ice cream, though, is like the the great motif of this relationship is they're, they're enjoying sea salt ice cream at the top of this building together throughout 358 and a half days, but yeah, Kingdom Hearts is the weirdest series. I love it, and it's so bad. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a good pick. I just the, there's not a lot that that I can add to it. Do you have a video game pick? I don't. I didn't really organize it that way. Um, you know, ironically, I try to organize them, and I had a really difficult time organizing them. So I just picked really strong friendships that meant a lot to me um the closest thing i have to a video game is a comic book pick um comic book movie tv show these guys are thick and thin every single time that they show up it's a really interesting friendship to me because it's even a very natural friendship and that's the friendship between groot and rocket raccoon what better friendship than a tree and a raccoon it's amazing it just just the concept is so sweet and so wholesome that this living tree is best friends with a raccoon that climbs on him and lives in him and um and in the comic books they're great they they're always great in the comic books if if anything they seem a lot closer in the comic books than they even seem in the movies. Uh, but James Gunn and the actors playing them give so much life and so much representation to this friendship. It is a downright heartbreaking scene with Rocket Raccoon coming to terms with Groot sacrificing himself in the in the first film. And I know that everybody is sort of Groot's friends and stuff. And he says, we are Groot. But there's nothing 
tear jerking as much as Rocket's heartbreak with Groot. And those two love each other more than everybody. The first time we see them, they're together. They bicker, they argue, they fight, they get along, they understand each other. Um, everybody on that team comes to learn to love Groot through Rocket and vice versa. Um, and it's just, it's such a unique friendship that, you know, at the core of it makes a lot of sense. Again, it's just a beautiful little imaginary creation of this tree and this raccoon and the symbiotic relationship, but their personalities being completely different from each other and stuff. It's just like, it, it's just such an easy friendship to root for, to get just fully uh, enveloped in. And we love seeing Rocket and Groot. And honestly, you couldn't see a movie with either one of them by themselves. Like you got to have Groot and Rocket in the same thing in the TV shows. It's in the same way in the comic books. It's the same way. If you're going to have Groot, you're going to have Rocket and they're going to be side by side. To me, it's the, it's the strongest relationship in all comic books. And there's a lot of good friendships in comic books, but Groot and Rocket are completely inseparable to me. Yeah, this one is kind of perfect. It's probably the best friendship in the MCU. The other MCU one that I had thought about was Bucky and Cap. But mm-hmm. I love this Groot and Rocket one. Uh, I love the moment of sacrifice that Groot does in Guardians 1 and the way that Rocket was so broken by it. I haven't seen the third Guardians yet, and I'm sure it's going to be pointed in its own way. But I love the way that like Rocket has to evolve into his mentor so that he can get his friend back eventually. And just the, especially in the first Guardian, like the visual of it, a giant ant tree man with a raccoon on his shoulder is just perfect. I mean, the the greatest scene in the first movie, the one clip that everybody remembers is Groot growing and roaring in the middle of the prison in that 360 spin shot and Rocket shooting his guns climbing on Groot. Like, that encapsulates that team more than any anybody. Um, and oh, so... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I, I just... I thought... Uh, Bucky and Cap as well. Um, that is a good one. Um, but yeah, at the at the end of the day, to me, Rocket and Groot is the most fascinating one. It's the most heartwarming one. And really, it's the most real one, too. It just feels so, so real. I think it's awesome how much Guardians is a story about relationships you know, it's whether romantic or parental or friendship. I just love that James Gunn makes it more about blasting stuff. It always has relationship at the core, uh, yeah. at least the first two. I still need to see the third one. The third one does too. Awesome. James Gunn's great at his craft. He is. Yeah, he is. I even liked the Suicide Squad. Not perfect, but I thought it was pretty It was pretty fun. Maybe better than DC deserved at that point. Um so my last one is TV. So I, I chose TV for the last one. And there's no there's no chance that that you you're gonna pick one that's not on my list. We have the same last one. There's no way that you don't pick this. I didn't pick it. I know what you're no way. I didn't oh, pick it. Man. I didn't pick it. It was tough not to pick it, and I'm maybe I made a mistake, but that's okay. I, you know, I wanted to be honest to the question. What makes it great? What is so great about this friendship? What makes something great? And as much as I love what I referenced within, you know, five yeah. seconds of talking on this podcast, I went with Doctor Who. And I went... And so the thing with Doctor Who, especially since the it was uh, revived, is that he has companions and most of them want to sleep with him. Or if they don't, it's like, 
I'm gay. I don't want to sleep with you. Yeah. <laughs> and then they say it a lot. Although I like Bill. She's a good character. Or they're like, I'm the new doctor. I'm basically you. And you have to deal with it. Although I like Clara. But when Donna Noble comes to the show, she is in so many ways the friend the doctor has needed since the first freaking doctor. She's the person who makes the doctor better. She's the person who laughs with the doctor. She's the person that doesn't want to knock boots with the doctor. She's not fully enamored with him. She doesn't eat his poop. She doesn't have the star-crossed eyes, although she is like not uh, she's so she's the person that walks away. We first see her in the Christmas special before I, I think it's uh the one either after Rose's season or before. And she became such a fan favorite that she was brought back after Martha's season. And she the dynamic is just so amazing. I because think after Rose's season. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. So it's after he loses Rose and he's mm-hmm. really sad and he invites her and she says no. And then she's like, what the heck is wrong with me? Like, and so she, through the next couple years or the next year or so, she's like traveling the world, trying to get that same spark she had with the doctor. And eventually she meets him again and accepts his, you know, his invitation on the ship. But like, she is so different from Donna or she's so different from Rose and Martha because she sees this as like, you're my friend. I have a fiance. I'm not, I'm not even Amy. Like it never crosses my mind. I'm not going to accidentally kiss you. And their friendship pays dividends because by the end of her series, she has become in a very doctor who way, the most important woman in the universe that she saves from the Daleks and from uh, Davros, who's like the the father of the Daleks, and she does this by becoming what we didn't want her to be. She becomes the Doctor Donna. She she takes that Clara role, and in doing so, for some reason, she if she like does it again, it's so much energy that her form can't take. She'll die, and so the Doctor has to take away all of her memories, send her back to Earth because his friendship is not. You know, it's it's not a possessive one. It's a friendship with her that's about each other's well-being. Just like Donna was the one that could make the doctor get out of his slump and not be so self-righteous, uh, he's more worried about her well-being than he is about, uh, you know, continuing this friendship until she blows up or whatever. And so after that, after their friendship ends, we get like the doctor, the 10th doctor at his worst. Uh, I think that's the episode where they go to Mars or some planet and he's like, I'll bring you all back to life. I forget what the episode's called, but it's amazing. And that doctor happens because he's lost his love. He's lost his friend. He's lost his planet. He's lost his people. But it notably comes after he loses his friend. And so to me, like being able to be the one up in my opinion, on all the Doctor's companions of 50-plus years, puts Donna Noble and the Doctor, the 10th Doctor's friendship, as one of the greatest of all time. I I like this pick. I didn't really realize where you were going to go with it, Um, obviously, because when you mentioned Doctor Who, companions is very, has a very specific trend. Um, my only pushback on this is almost the same exact pushback as the Sam and, um, Frodo one where it feels, I don't know. I, I, I get the sentiment and I, I actually, I don't disagree with it at all. I get the importance of Donna and I think that you nailed it, but it is, uh, eternal sort of being in his companion that's like his sidekick it's a it's a difficult one for me even with donna walking away at the beginning and stuff it's a difficult one for me to i mean i really i'm just explaining why i didn't consider it on my own terms because i do love doctor who but i didn't i just really didn't consider any of the companions that if you were going to pick one, it's obviously Donna. And I do think that you like 
you're right about the intentions of it, but I also still think the power dynamic of that relationship still sort of throws me into like an owner with its pet again, right? Like I can see that like that. Although you know it ends with literally Donna being as powerful as the doctor, right? Just not able to handle it. Uh, and also, like, this is a friendship that is about to come back over a decade later in some form. We don't know. Uh, we'll know in November what exactly is happening. But the friendship that was not to be is to be again. So yeah. I'm looking forward to how they can revive this. To me, it's I, I see your point, And, you know, I did bring that up with Sam and Frodo. But I, I think, you know, I do think the intent is that Donna is as close to an equal as a human can be to the doctor. Oh yeah. And I, and I agree with the intent and I agree with the sentiment, but I just sort of still feel the same way I do. Even with the intent being that way, it is sort of like, there's a real owner pet feel to doctor who type stuff. Just because it's like, you know, the reason why, we're able to force dogs to be our best friends is that we are a more intelligent entity than them. And so that that's the only thing that I bring up. And it, I'm more so bringing up the reason why I didn't consider Doctor Who companions at all um, is sort of based on that. Yeah, he. I mean, that's the, he's so charming. Like, if the yeah. doctor came to my house, you know, I'm grabbing oh, yeah. Megan and, and Mojo, but we're going. Yeah, you know, we're gonna lose the apartment, but we're going with the doctor. I think you yeah, might totally. do the same thing. Uh, but I mean, you think of it. Think of <laughs> it's just funny. Think of a of a very nice human rescuing a stray dog. It's the same exact experience. The dog's like, oh, he has infinite food. He yeah. has infinite food, and he's nice to me. And oh, now I have a nicer place to live. And it's like. It's just such the same dynamic in my mind. But, you know, with Donna, it, the the example would be he goes up and meets this dog and is like, want to come? And the dog's like, I'm good. And then the dog comes back after having gotten those things it needs. And it's like, we can chill now. Yeah, fair enough. So for my last pick is the pick Cam wanted to do from our favorite show that helped cultivate our friendship we watched episode after episode hour after hour our favorite or my favorite show for sure i think it's still cam's favorite send my mount goatmore shows yeah do the people want to know my mount goatmore do they want to know yes community tune in next time oh okay i was gonna tell them so the community and the absolute strongest, most heartwarming, you will always root for them friendship. Two brothers that love each other. Troy and Abed, man, the people's champs for sure. They, I mean, this was my first pick. It never changed from my first pick. Um, It is such an interesting friendship and dynamic to see. Um, and they are great. I mean, great friends to each other. It's the way that you should treat your best friend. But they were so different at the beginning. Abed um, is on the spectrum and does not handle social situations well. And I think it's, I think he's officially got Asperger's. I always forget, but I believe it's Asperger's that he's. I think so. Um, that's the canon. But at a community college trying to figure out how to interact with people. And he's never really done it by himself. He's having a hard time connecting with people. And, and the whole theme of the show is Abed really connects with people and so social dynamics through the things that he has seen on TV and in movies. And the show sort of scripts itself almost like everything is a certain TV or movie trope every single episode. And it's sort of seen through the lens of Abed. And then Troy is the super popular jock person who traditionally does not get along with the stereotypical autistic person. Um, Very heavily into sports, into, into being attracted to women, into looking good and being popular. 
and the first season Abed is trying to be Troy's friend and Troy is desperately just trying to figure out what this Abed dude's about and Abed completely wins him over and as the series goes on Troy becomes more childlike and free and um just enjoying life with Abed and every single moment that you see them together they're trying to enjoy life or they're trying to get through something together every step of the way um it brings absolute delightful most memorable moments in the whole show they have their fake tv show that is a fake morning talk show that they do but they don't record but they sit down Troy and Abed in the morning and they do it and everybody on the campus tries to figure out what what are these two guys about they're always with each other people are wondering you know if they're romantically attached but no it's just the best brosome platonic friendship that you could have they're just best friends being best friends and being weird all the time um quite frankly me and cam probably project a lot onto this friendship this is why we like it so much oh remember when we went to that party and we just both wore gray suits so that we could be normal yeah we were doing the troy and abed (laughs) being normal at the new year's party but yeah i mean it's just if you want an example of a wholesome, perfect friendship where just two people care about each other and adjust to each other and try to take care of each other, it's fascinating. It's heartwarming. It's, you know, at times heart wrenching. But these guys choose each other before everything else. And it's quite frankly, I think the strongest friendship we've even mentioned on this list. Like, it, it gets tested all the time and they always pick each other. Um, there's a huge moment where they're both interested in, in the same girl. And it's a great episode because this is the first time that you've seen this. Abed is not particularly interested in most women romantically at all. There's only like a handful that he's interested in. Captain and, Marvel. You yeah. That? <laughs> yeah. And um, they, uh, they're they both attracted to this girl. They're both going after her. At the end of the day, they get together after they have some tension. And they're like, we're just going to both go up, talk to her, let her decide. And they talk to her, let her decide. She decides on Troy. Bob is perfectly fine with it. Doesn't hurt his feelings at all. Because he's like, I would have chose Troy too. And then walks away. And then Troy gets mad at the girl because he's like, why didn't you pick Abed? He's awesome. And so now Troy doesn't like the girl anymore because she he, she didn't pick the other guy, pick Abed, but he likes Abed so much that he's like, you must be dumb. Like, Abed's perfect. <laughs> I think he asked, and then it just cuts to him running out mad and her running out, like, offended. And he's like, she called you weird. And I'm yeah. like, I am weird. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's it's great. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch the evolution. Um, also, you have to mention this about that scene when they go up to her. And she said, are you the guys that have been staring at me and yelling books every 10 minutes? And, <laughs> and, they're, I, like, they're, yes. and, and they they're great her together. Well, they asked her out. She's like, this is the cutest thing that's ever happened to me. And, yeah. and then she's like, what's in that? briefcase she's like tacos you want some and she's she's like no they're like good we really want to eat them (laughs) yeah it's great it's great they're in their own world it's just it's a great wholesome friendship it was the first and last one that i would ever pick um yeah you you gotta love troy and abed if you haven't watched community at the very least watch that show to watch the greatest friendship that i've ever seen on tv I think it's my favorite friendship. Maybe I should have chosen it. Hot, well, I, hot, hot, hot. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. They have a secret handshake. Yeah. They sell the secret handshake to. Pierce. How do you des- yeah. Well, how do you describe Pierce without an old racist 
uh, ableist, every ist you can imagine, bitter man who wants and needs friendship, but kind of like Jeff, often leaves his friends behind through selfishness. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. Let's go to honorable mentions. We um, There's a lot of honorable mentions on this one. I want to say first, though, before I list my honorable mentions, I do apologize that there wasn't any girl friendships. I'm not going to lie, though. As I went through the list, not a lot of them inspired me. Um, so to kick off my honorable mention is the very top of it. I really did want to choose this one um, because to me it was the best two women friendship that I that I've seen, and that's Christina Yang and Meredith Gray from Grey's Anatomy. But a lot of these female friendships leave me not feeling great. There, there's a couple of like kid show ones that I like. Lizzie McGuire had a friend and stuff, but like. The girls from Mean Girls didn't do it for me. The girls from like um from I don't know. A lot of Sex them are city. girl. Yeah, a, a lot of them are just like mean. They they're just not very good friends. They're just mean to people. They just seem to be bullies. Um, you know, as always, if you disagree, we I would love to know why these women friendships or any of them that that we missed. But I went through a lot of them and I just wasn't very inspired by many of them. I'll say my other most honorable women friendship was Willow and Buffy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was a very close one. Um, some of my other honorable mentions, JD and Turk from scrubs is another great guys guys friendship um i really love that one uh so harley quinn and poison ivy recently have a tv show and a comic book series about their friendship that one's a really really good one that um i i wanted to put on my list as well um Christopher Robin and all of his animals. Now that we got into the imaginary friends, that was, that was one that hit my honorable mention as well. I know Cam had a long list. I had a really long list too, but I didn't want to make it too long. Okay. Yeah. So I think you left out a pretty important female friendship. My list of course was Harry, Ron and Hermione, Calvin and Hobbes, the 10th doctor and Donna and Roxas and Axel honestly looks better on a list than it did having to defend them. But hey, uh, I have a lot of honorable mentions. Troy and Abed, Shaggy and Scooby, Turk and JD, Frodo and Sam, Beavis and Butthead, Travis and Old Yeller, Wax and Wayne, Ang and Appa. Oh, Wax and Wayne. What a good pick, dude. I <laughs> wish you would have put that on your real list. Yeah, it, Wax and Wayne would have been a good one for sure. Ang and Appa is another one, like the the kind of pet one that I was thinking of. SpongeBob and Patrick, and I have oh, and Clifford and Mary Elizabeth. But I have two uh, friendships from women that I thought like were pretty fantastic. One is a little off kilter, uh, or a little different. It's Rory and Lorelai Gilmore. So I thought that one too, but it's also parental. But yeah, yeah. The other one is like, if you were looking, I can't believe you didn't find this one because it's. Maybe the one that was the closest to making my list, Lucy and Ethel from I Love Lucy, is the definitive sitcom friendship. Of all sitcom friendships, yeah. if I had to put one, it would be this one. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one. I, I think that I probably was so depressed at some of the others. There's one, like, uh, there's one super popular show with the dumb blonde girl. And it's a movie, and it's like, and it's about her friends, Cher and Dion. Um, Clueless. Clueless. They just seem, they just seem mean. I oh, don't no, they're know. really nice. <laughs> That's like what makes Clueless different is that they're literally like the stereotypical popular girls, but they're really nice to everybody. 
maybe yeah for forgive me i i'm not a huge clueless fan i don't hardly remember that movie i remember paul rudd is amazingly charming in that movie that's the only thing that i can remember from that clueless movie at all yeah i don't don't remember much i watched it because turk is in it and i like turk again for forgive me if if for any clueless fans maybe maybe i just didn't do enough research on that one um, but they they didn't inspire me, and then definitely like Sex in the City and the Friends girls, and they're not very nice. I don't know; they all seem like bullies to me. But that's you know, to me, that's like just how sitcom friendships work. Yeah, no, it's less it's so with dudes, point. but even with dudes, sometimes it's the same way. But well, you see an Ethel, bro, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, no, I maybe I I, I think. I'm I'm just wrong on on this. Like it it just didn't peak my radar. It's just it's funny to me because it's like I think that there is also a, an amount of like seeing heterosexual guys have a lot of love and borderline romantic love for each other is like a funny thing that you know, may, maybe it's not the most woke thing ever, but it would be a lie to to ignore the fact that for for generations, this was a go to joke of media that the two two bros that really love each other, you know, the JD and Turk thing is is a funny thing. And that to me is a lot nicer of a friendship. Um, You know, there's certainly been times where. I don't know where I was going with that. I think that I'm What about just... Leslie Nope and Ann Perkins? I didn't pick that because I don't like Ann Perkins, but that's a th- very giving friendship. Yeah, no, I thought I thought of that one too. It's just not like there was a time in Parks and Rec where that was a good thread friendship, and then it just completely dies out. Completely dies out in that show. And so I'm just looking at strong friendships that were like you don't have the show Scooby Doo without Shaggy and Scooby being best friends. You know what I mean? Same thing with like uh, with um, JD and Turk. Same thing with Troy and Abed. You know when when Troy and Abed aren't around anymore, community sort of falls apart, yeah. right? Well, there's one unbelievably good episode, maybe two in season five after Troy leaves, but otherwise, Troy was the spark. Yeah, Troy and Abed yeah. were the spark. That's it has to be yeah so uh, maybe i've whipped myself too much for for not picking a girl's friendship i just felt bad because i really intended to and then um i do think christina yang and meredith gray is a really really strong one from gray's anatomy um that is a show i've never watched a minute of is it any good no i don't think it's i don't think it's any good but I do think that their friendship is very good and lots of real life friendships. People base themselves off of the way that these two women take care of each other. Shout out to Shonda Rhimes. But thank you all for tuning in once again, all you Bills, Phils, Nannies, and Does. Um, this is a great episode for you to let us know any friendships that we missed because, man, there were a lot of good ones. There's nothing that sells as strong as friendship in these TV shows and movies and books. We love tuning in to see great friendships conquer, conquer evil and stuff. And so it's, it's a great subject, but it was almost, you know, we picked it as an easy subject and then I did research and I was like, Oh my God, we really opened Pandora's box. There is a lot of, a lot of great picks. So we certainly left out, some of your favorite picks. We want to hear from you, Bills, Phils, Nannies, and Does out there, though. So tune. you can reach us on Facebook, on Instagram, on our website, and let us know any of the picks that we got wrong. Trust me, I want to hear it. I, I wanted to pick Meredith and Christina. Um, I should have picked Lucy and Ethel, uh, but I picked the ones that stood out to me, and so I want to hear the ones that stood out to you. But thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, stay great (laughs) and bleed on.